There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Burris. Over all the episodes, I've spoken with quite a few athletes about the businesses they have started along their careers or at the end of their careers, and today is no different. I'm joined by former elite netballer Sarah Wall and her business partner, Kim Green, who is currently the captain of the Giants. Sarah started her coaching business, NetFit Netball, in 2012, and Kim came aboard in 2014. NetFit began as a coaching clinic, and that was run by Sarah all by herself. The business now is scalable, and the way that's scaling the business is through an app. And that app runs a year-long nutrition, fitness, and coaching program, and not just for netballers, but basically for anybody. I'm keen to find out how they've done it. I want to know about them personally, what their backstory is, what drives them. So let's get into it. Sarah Wall. Kim Green, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is, like, I feel privileged. This is very glammed up for me. Like, uh, <laughs> i got two very glamorous women sitting here in the studio. It's been unusual for me. Um, okay, let's, I mean, you guys have got a business. I'm going to talk about the business a little bit later, uh, but I really want to talk about yourselves. Um, how good are you at talking about yourself? Um, I'm good at talking about Kim. Do you want to answer each other's questions? Yeah, I think we should do <laughs> that's that. That's cool. Because I straight up, I, 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 when I think about, when I look at you, Sarah, I think to myself, you would not be someone who's uh, comfortable talking about herself. Just gives me that feeling. Yeah, it's some, something, even as a young girl, I was always really shy, country girl, and had to move to Melbourne, and I I never did. I'm always better talking about others or Netflix. Like, it's just something, I don't know what that is. Maybe you can... Find well, that let's out. Talk about, okay, so you're from the country. Which part of Victoria? Uh, it's a little town called Camperdown, two and a half hours out of Melbourne. Which uh, way? Towards Warrnambool, sort of southwest. Right, yeah. southwest. Okay. Yeah, so it's um, a beautiful little town. I get back there often. Mum's still there and um, a bit of a homebody, to be honest. Love my horse, go home and, yeah, just go and live a country life. And How then many of you in the family? Two, So three girls. Three girls. Yep. Um, all best active, friends. all active, yep. like, like, you know, like sports minded. Yeah. All played netball and we're all very different. And my older sister, Lisa, uh, that absolutely loves you. And she just, um, is 
they say the academic one and mum sort of um, treats us all the same and, and gave us every opportunity to do the same thing. And Lisa loves arts and she's a teacher as well. And Annie, um, she's a musician and writes her own music. So we've all got very different talents. Okay, because there's a pattern there. So um, teaching, you're, you've got a teaching qualification, is that right? Yes. Yes, okay. So, and all, all your three sisters... Don't feel left out here, Kim, if you want to jump no, in and say something. I'm just going to concentrate on Sarah for a moment. So, because I'm looking for patterns. I'm looking for, because in our audience sort of is looking at what are the things that uh, are laid down on somebody's either social development or their uh, DNA that results in them being good at business or even driven to do their own business. So, I'm just trying to get a few patterns out of here. So, regional Victoria, country girl, but regional Victoria. Yep. You said your mum still lives there. What about your dad? Mum and dad yeah, together? Yeah, both. Or? both oh, they're separated, but they're so, both in Campdown. Right, both yep. in the same area. But did mum have a bigger influence on you than dad? Yeah, definitely. And um, I guess the pattern of business that I didn't realise was happening at the time is mum and dad ran their own business, um, cattle and stock buying and... Mum ran that really from home, and um, I just grew up knowing that mum was sort of on the phone daily organising things, but yet you'd never know she was working. She didn't miss a thing we were at. Um, And she probably never told you about it either. No, but. She didn't sit there lecturing you. No, she didn't. So we we tend to repeat what we see as opposed to what we hear. Yeah. Would that be right for you? That's correct. And And I remember even, I reckon I was four, and I was answering the phone, and she'd tell me, Sarah, say hello, it's Sarah Wall speaking. And I sometimes, I had to take the notes if the, um, they used to call it the um, cattle kill would come through and I'd take that note, but I wasn't really knowing what I was doing at the time. It was just more that so she it was automatic. Taught. It was automatic. Um, so it gets stamped on you a little bit. Is that yep. part of your nurture? That's part of the nurture process from your mum to you? Yeah, it yeah. was. And, and I think mum always taught us that um, to shake hands and, and we were always having adult conversations, I guess, when we were younger. And I um, I look back on that now and I just see her as really, yeah, me imitating a lot of her stuff. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and so what, what's good about that is, from what I'm listening to in terms of business, anyway, is that, um, it, as I said a little bit earlier, it's sort of automatic, but it's sort of not in that you can position yourself backwards, away from everything. You sort of can tend. People like you who grow up in those environments tend to have the ability to step back and observe what's going on, and you're a, more an observer as opposed to a participant. So you're 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 back here. And you're directing traffic, which is what probably what your mum did. Yeah. She probably said, Sarah, go and answer the phone and do this and do that. To your yeah. other sisters as well, same deal? Same deal, yeah. And I think we're all very similar. Yeah, that um, even though Lisa mightn't have been on the elite stage, my older sister, she she's running, a, she's a head coach at a club and she loves getting involved and and that was just learnt behaviour from home. Like that's just what you did. You just got up and put your hand up and ran things and yeah. Regional Victoria. Good Aussie girls, you know, pretty good stock, eh? Oh, I like to think so. I don't, yeah. I don't know much different. No, no, I, mean, I, I think it's right. I mean, I think, but not only regional Victoria, but regional Australia. But I think it's, it's a good quality. I think it, um, it sits well with people who go into business. And of course, you had a, a basketball. Uh, sorry, basketball. Got to get it right now. I'm, a, I'm a guy who's got four sons, and I come from a family of boys. Basketball is something that was is the closest thing I ever got to see into netball. Because my boys played it during the summer. Mostly they were footy players uh, in the winter. That was um, the main sport. But So in terms of netball, what is your background? So netball, just growing up, played lots of regional 
stuff. Did my knee at 14. In school? school? In school. Right. School and, and just local footy netball. So Victoria local very... footy? It's a footy netball competition in Victoria. AFL, AFL and netball. And you they, played AFL? No, I never... Oh, no, I didn't. And I'm very bad at it. I have played school football. So when certain clubs have been asking whether I do a cross code, I've happily said no. I'll leave that to people that can kick that unusual looking ball. But um, I just... I actually did my knee when I was 14 playing on an asphalt court, so the old outdoor courts. And um, that was the best thing I think that happened to me because it really made me um, sort of pull back and reflect what I was going to do. And that's at a young age of 14 um, and got a job making the worst coffee in Camperdown, but (laughs) it happened. I still feel sorry for the people I made that coffee for and um, focused on my schoolwork. Um, Is it as good as the coffee I just saw you buying downstairs? Um, well, when I saw you reaching over the counter trying to uh, <laughs> oh, did you? work on the uh, on the uh, ATM did, machine. Yeah, did you see I Kim saw, and I getting selfies yeah, on that yeah, staircase yeah, I too? Saw, I saw, <laughs> but I avoided sorry. you. I just kept going. But anyway, all right, it's all good. I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't see us doing uh, it. No, I, well, I did. I saw you guys from behind, so I walked past you. And, <laughs> what oh, am I in for? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think with netball, I, I've just been lucky. I, I got into a, a rep team and when you're in that junior development, that's the aim. you got to make rep and then you make an academy and then you get on and you trial for the state team. And then when I made a state team, I just remember being like completely shocked I got in. like, And I was driving down with mum. I'm like, what am I doing here? And she's like, Sarah, just get out in there. Like it was all those old school, you know, coaching points that she had no idea and got in that team. And I remember I got that Vic t-shirt and I was like, I'm never letting this go. This will be the one and only time I ever play netball for Victoria. And I just started to make it year after year, but I don't know how. But do you think, do you think you're a good sports person? I think I'm a very committed sport person. Like Competitive I, or committed? Which one? Committed. Committed. Competitive, as weird as it sounds, not really. I think I was always, a lot of my career at, say, Vixens, um, until I really moved out of Victoria and played for Firebirds and and Sydney, I got on the court a lot. But when I was playing in my home state at the Vixens, I was a bench player a lot of the time. And the feedback was, Sarah, don't look so happy sitting on the bench because you're wanting to be out on the court. But I was like, I was that happy to be there. And I know that it was going to take a break. And then when that break came and I got on the court, then I was going to make it my own. But yeah, I, I think that's um, when I reflect on my career, I think I've just been able to be committed and patient. So, and uh, clearly that has translated into where you're going to take your business. Yeah, I think so. Commitment. Yeah, commitment. And just always going to be there, just very um, patient and ready. And, and I, I guess for me, it's not um, because I've learnt that you, things don't come easy, I'm okay with that. And I learnt that through netball. I just learnt that things are going to take time and sometimes you get a lucky break and you just got to take it. And that's the virtue of patience, which is one of the most important virtues when it comes to running a business. I'm now going to ask, talk, turn to Kim, who's still got a coat on. You're sitting here with a pink what? sleeveless thing <laughs> and uh, like you better go and start dancing and order a vodka and, and <laughs> soda. And, 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 and Kim's here is sort of sitting there with a jacket on. Like, I don't understand what's the deal. Like, uh, you're, well, you're, you're casual. Uh, how's it work? Yeah. Like, I mean, is it a bit of yin and yang, is that? It, it absolutely. We were talking about this on the way in. I'm a bit of a stickler for the rules. Um, says is a little bit sit outside the box or sit outside of the realm of the rules. Um, but she's slowly changing me. <laughs> you're, you're corrupting her? Well, she broke a rule, a road rule on the way a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I hope the police well, are listening. Yeah, no, no, no. The police do listen to this. So let's, let's broadcast this. I want to just name her number plate. It is. <laughs> Actually, I don't know it. Uh, but can I just say back to Sarah's, um she says she says that she's not competitive, but she's one of the best competitors out on netball court. And I played with Sarah's, but most of my career I played against Sarah. 
and we had the biggest beefs out on court, <laughs> like biggest battles. Um, and she's just one of those people that would just keep grinding you out on court. And um, that is why she was selected in so many teams for so such a long time, I think, is that she's very persistent and um, is such a great team person as well. So you need those people in your team. So, let's, mm. okay, Kim, let's have a look at your background. So where are you from? What's your From deal? Sydney, Cronulla, yeah. um, from girl. the Shire. Shire girl. Don't, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, my brother and sister grew up in the Shire. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. My sister went to OLM, OLMC Barony Bay. My yep. brother went to Karen Bar de La Salle. And how did they turn out? Uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. They're much younger than me. So I grew okay. up in the West. Mum and Dad moved out of there when I'd finished school. But um, yeah, they're much younger than me, but they're, 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 they're good. And what's interesting about people from the Shire is they keep their friends for life. Yeah. It, it's weird. Like uh, their, their, their mates, are, or my brother in particular, his mates, best mates are still mates he went to school with. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, a small part of Sydney that no one likes to get out of. We've got everything we need there. You're still, you're still living there? Still live there. Yeah, really? Yeah, still live there. So married a cricketer. Um, he's from Bathurst. Um, so now he lives in the Shire. So he's a Shire folk too yeah. now. Um, mum lives 30 seconds around the corner and yeah, we like to keep our family pretty tight. So you there. grew up in the Shire? Yeah. Grew up in Sylvania. Sylvania. Oh, wow. That's where my mum and dad moved to. Not Sylvania water, Sylvania. Yeah. Sylvania. Yeah. Evelyn Street. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Evelyn Street mum, North. Mum, oh, mum's in Kelly. So not, not too far. Wow. Yeah. Because we, when my mum and dad moved there, we thought we'd, uh, that was it. We made it. Like uh, <laughs> we, we bought a house and we went from Punchbowl to Sylvania. That's, yeah. that's big. Yeah. You know, that, that is, is big. big. That's Absolutely. really big. Oh, cool. That's interesting. So where'd you go to school? What school? St. Pat's College at Sutherland. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you went through the Catholic system? Yeah, I went through, went through the Catholic system, um, finished up school and pretty much netball was my life. So start- Do you think, sorry, could I interrupt? Do you, when you say you finish up school, you someone made a decision for you, you made a decision, I'm going to do netball or I'm going to do some extra study. How did that work? Well, I had been picked uh, in a national team to go down to the AIS to live. At what age? At 17. So as soon as I finished high school, I actually did pathways for year 12. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in about four different teams at the time and was playing on the court. And mum felt as though that was the best um, decision, I guess, for my schooling is to make sure that I was able to finish the HSC and get good marks. And I finished with the UAI and, um, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was a UAI. And I I ended up going down to the AIS to live for a year down in Canberra. Um, And I just sort of looked at that and thought, I'm not going to go to uni straight away. I'll play netball for a few years. And then if I want to go to uni, I can go in as a, a mature age student. So... Um, essentially that's what I did when I'm playing. But, but did you do that because um you wanted to earn a few dollars? I mean, was there money I mean I, I do they pay well in, in your uh, industry in your your game? My my first contract was worth five hundred dollars. Um for how a week or <laughs> for the year. No. Um and two pairs of shoes. And so I was picked up at the age of sixteen and I the first training session I went to, they gave me two pairs of ASIC shoes and how do you support yourself, Mum? Well, yeah, mum, I I was living at home at the time. I was 16. I mean, at the end of the day, I was playing a sport um, and going to school and getting paid $500. And if you sat on the bench, you got an extra $50. And for every quarter that you played, you got an extra 25. So sometimes I'd map out how much I might've got paid that week so that I could go and spend it on clothes or whatever it might've been. Um, But yeah, like we didn't get paid well, but it wasn't 
it wasn't too much of an issue for me. I was a 16-year-old. I loved playing netball and it was a bonus that I got paid on the side well, so and I got two pairs of shoes. When, when did you when did you sort of um, realise that, I mean, I mean, obviously going growing up, you're a, in the national side and the juniors and all that sort of stuff. You, you, you probably thought one pretty good. But when did you realise that there's a career a career in this? Like, you know, playing at the top level week to week for a club? Um, Outside of reps? Yeah, I think... I think when I was about 17, um, so I was picked at 16, I was sitting on the bench that year, got a break when someone hurt themselves and- Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, it's horrible to think that, you know, you've got to take your opportunities when you can. And um, at the age of 17, I was mixing it with some of the best, but also getting absolutely um, killed by some of the best as well. And I think their, um, the coach, Julie Fitzgerald at the time, she said that, uh, I think you need to go down to the AIS and have a crack down there because it, it's part of the pathway in netball. It's almost like this is, passage. The, this is the box that you need to sit in. Mm. And if you don't, then you don't get picked. Yep. So I had to go down to Canberra and she said to me, you need to go. But as soon as you're finished, you're back up here with Sydney at the Swifts. And for me, um, she's such a nurturing person because I, there was no stress for me. I, I went down there. I did what I could down there. Um, I trained three times a day. Um, it was one of the toughest experiences that I've, I've ever gone through, but it taught you so much about how to train your body and how to listen to your body. And But having the stress of not getting back into a, a um, domestic competition team um, was taken away because she said, as soon as you finish, you're back up here and you're playing so with when us. So you, when you train for the, yeah, at the AIS, just so I understand this, um, the Australian Institute of Sport is training you to become a representative for Australia. Yeah. In something. I mean, you, yeah. you're training for the Commonwealth Games or what were you training yeah, for? Yeah, it was for a World Youth Cup team. Right. So it was an under 21 base program, um, a development program. And they they selected you if they thought that, yeah, potentially you'll be going to become a diamond. Um, so for the open team. So I have a, I have a view on these things. So like both of you, um, you you've played at, at elite level. Um You've also um, made, in your case, you went to teachers' college or university? University. university. So you did your discipline process of, in an academic sense. Um, you did your discipline discipline process at the AIS, where you're living on your own. Well, you're not living on your own, but you're sort of down there away from yeah. your family, and you're put into this environment where you have to be incredibly um, well structured in what you do. Yeah. And those structured environments, which you've done at university and you've done at the Australian Institute of Sport, actually train your mind to be a certain person. No, you come out with a skill, you come with a qualification. It doesn't make much difference. The structure, the way your mind gets structured up in those environments is incredibly important. The younger you can do it, the better it is for you, mm. in my view. So no matter whether you end up playing for Australia or don't, if just the experience of what you just said, training three times a day, understanding your body, and getting that sort of mindfulness around what you're doing actually carries really well forward into running a business. That, and you're so lucky that, I mean, people would be saying you're so lucky too. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I don't, you know, I, I know what you're probably thinking. So yeah, but I did it. Now you're right. But you're lucky you had the talent to get there in the first place. That's the lucky bit. It's not lucky that you got in the IAS. It's not lucky that you uh, ended up doing really well out of it, et cetera. Um, it, it, the lucky bit is you had the talent in the beginning I want to know, and we now got a sense of where Sarah got her luck from, was her upbringing in regional Australia yep. with her mum, running a business. 
she's sort of got a structure in her mind. Where did you get yours from? Where did you get your ability to transfer yourself out of the comfort, comfort of your home in the Shire down to Canberra on your own? Yeah. Where did um, you get the guts from, the toughness? My mum. Mum was an Olympic swimmer. Um, she, But she didn't do it easy. She was was brought up in housing commission in Redfern. Um, her dad, who was her biggest supporter and drove her everywhere and got her to all the meets, he passed away from a heart attack, a sudden heart attack at 15. So When she was 15. When she was yep, 15, yep. yeah. So she uh, had gone to a Commonwealth Games and won four gold and went to an Olympics and retired. What was your mum's maiden name? Langford, Denise Langford. Denise Langford. Where'd she train? Um, do you remember? Do you know? Do you know the history of that? I'm not I'm How not old would your mum sure. be? She's oh, 63. Okay, so she probably trained with Ruth Everest or uh, Don Talbot or one of those. Two. Yeah, yeah, Don Talbot. It's yeah. definitely a name that she throws around. Yeah, well, Don um, Talbot trained at Hurstville for a long time. Yeah, um, so she would, she would have trained around Redfern area. Redfern area, yeah. right, okay. Because so I, I was a swimmer when I was younger and there I trained with Don Talbot. So I'm around your mum's age. Oh, there you go. So I, yeah, I, I'm just, she, she's a couple of years older than me. <laughs> not that much. She though. would have died me telling her. There's not much in it. There's not much in it. Yeah, but it's interesting that um, these things pass down, not only in the genetics, but also pass down in the nurturing. So does your did your mum teach you the importance of, well, from her experience as a swimmer, which is a pretty tough life, I can tell you. Tough life. I don't Four a.m. every morning, four thirty. Why you choose it? Well, it's not I a didn't. Choice, I just surely. did it. My parents, my mum taught me, and I just did it because just what we're doing. I yeah. Mean, I didn't. I didn't choose it. Um. Um. um but in in your mum's case, um, she probably didn't choose it either. Probably her dad said, "Well, this is something you can do, and you're doing well." So that just keeps you rolling along. But she would have got a lot of discipline out, and she would have then transferred that across to you. Did she actually talk to you about this sort of stuff, or did you just see it happen? Um, mum, mum is a tough love sort of person, um, and that's the way she was brought up. I think um, if you're going to do something, you do it well, and um, there's no half-hearted um, attempt at it. And I think she is very nurturing as well in the fact that she knows what it takes to to be at the top and. Um, the sacrifices that need to be put to the side as well. I mean, she did re- end up retiring at 16, but she gave up a whole lot of her childhood to be that person. Um, but she often doesn't talk about it either. Um, it, I think it was a very sad time in her life, I think around her dad passing away. And she often, like, you would never see medals or trophies. Like, if we want to see the Commonwealth Games gold, like, we have to dig deep for them to try and find them or photos. Um, she's just one of those people that, yes, she was an athlete and she won gold medals, but she was a person first and foremost. It's interesting because I think also too, in those times, women weren't all that praiseworthy in a relative sense, especially around the media, if they won a gold medal or if they did anything, especially in swimming. Mm. Swimming was very much a man's sport. Um, Unless you're one of the, you know, one like Dawn Fraser or something like that. Yeah. And, but even your mum sounds like she's done pretty well for herself. But yeah. there, there were very few female swimmers or sports people for that matter who actually got elevated to the levels they should have got elevated to based on the amount of effort they put into the, their sport and also in relation to the things that they achieved. Today, you're enjoying, you enjoy a much better platform. Absolutely. Than your mum would have enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Do you appreciate that? Yeah, every day. Um, 
I think being one of the ones that only got paid $500 at the start, I've gone through three different um, competitions now. We went from Commonwealth Bank Trophy to the ANZ Championship and now to the Suncorp. And minimum payment for the Suncorp Super Netball players is at around $30,000. And um, Is that like an R- oh, sorry, is that like a, an agreement, like a, an industry agreement that everybody gets paid at least that? Yes. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the cool. minimum pay. Um, and that's something that the likes of Liz Ellis um, and the greats before us that have fought for that. Um, and... Like I have such an appreciation for it because I've been there. I've been there where we were paying $500 as much as it was great. When was that? When did they bring that in, that 30000 minimum? Uh, that Two years ago. That's interesting because the rugby yeah. league guys only just bought in the minimum this year. Right. This yeah. year, the RLPA, Rugby League Play Association, only did their deal with the NRL um, late last year but it was effective from this year. And that's mad. That the, so the netball's way ahead of the rugby league. Well, we, we kind of have to be in a sense because we don't get paid enough. And yeah. – they they needed to come like we 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 are training full time we are out at the club five hours a day um, twenty hours a week we're scheduled for but we do much more than that and for our young ones coming through it's like for me I only trained twice a week when I was getting paid five hundred dollars so um, to now only get one day off a week and be out at the club five hours a day uh, you kind of need to pay the the players in the right way. And we're on a, a year contract now, whereas previously we we're only on six months. And do you guys get managers? I mean, do you, do you, do you operate through managers? Yeah, yeah. Most of us do have a sports manager. And I think that's just more when it comes to negotiations, we just send them in and not have to worry about the rest of it. But yeah, the sport is growing. Um, we've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to go. And I think that's our, um, I guess, our job as players now to continue that legacy of pushing to become a full-time athlete, all of us, to become full-time athletes. So, Sarah, Kim opined on you. Would you like to offer an opinion on? Yeah. <laughs> this is where I come to life because <laughs> Kim is like her family foundation and everything um, she stands for and loyalty and leadership is Kimmy's greatest strength. Like everyone sees her as such a dominant and on top of the table of stats this year for Super Netball. But Kim's more than that. And I think um, coming up uh, from Melbourne into Sydney and watching her lead and just being a part of her team is where I grew to love Kim because it was the stuff she would do for the people without a voice. And the thing I love about Kim is that what she says she does and she'll take a risk on having the hard conversations what it might mean to detriment of her. So that takes a lot of courage and that's what I love about Kimmy the most. And back to when she said about our battle, she beat me every time. She was like, <laughs> I tried everything. I threw it all at her and we even double teamed her but couldn't get, couldn't do it, Kimmy. No. So like, well, I find this like fascinating like the two of you have sort of similar backgrounds in some respects. You're probably totally different but you're similar backgrounds. You know, you have strong mums both um, showed you or showed you leadership through just their own leadership style, different styles. Yeah. It's I, nonetheless same outcomes. We say that all the time. Our mums are very similar. I think they're very do hard. Do they know each other? Yeah, yeah they do. They, they, they love each other. Yeah, they get along very <laughs> well. They hang out a bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also when you join a team, the parents all sit together. And I think our parents are very similar within the crowd as well. Very, um, well, mum's very nervous. Your mum's very calm with that stuff of watching us, but they don't push us. So it's always up to us, I guess, to make those decisions. But I think they've got a lot of grace as women. Um, they're very strong, but mum always taught me that to have a lot of grace with how you communicate. And even though she was strong and she was running the business, it was to do it in, in the way of um, 
Yeah, she always said, always be a lady. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's uh, I just can sort of get this sense from both of you that, oh, I don't know if you know this concept or the word anyway, you know the concept of like paying it forward. Mm. Um, it seems to me that both of you have accumulated all this um, experience and knowledge and um, all these great virtues like patience and loyalty and um, stand up for the small guy and, uh, you know, being confident and promoting without being a skite yourselves and what you do. Um, you're, my gut feeling is that you would like to pay that forward to other people, teach other people what you've learned because it's a really important concept. Many of us are very, very lucky because we have had someone show us a way. That's a good way. But there's lots of different ways, but a good way that works for us. And I think that is a, a like a massive advantage and the cost of that advantage to each one of us is that we must pay it forward to somebody else or to many others. Is that one of the things that motivates you in your new business venture together? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the foundation of how this all started was that exact thing. And um, when the idea came to me, it wasn't for a business and I might fail in, you know, business school or anything like that. I'm not sure. But the, the, the reason we started it is because I was like, wouldn't it be great to um, create this because it would be great for netball and great for these girls to see. And um, a big thing for me was being a country kid and having um, mum drive me up and down. I realized that wasn't everyone else's luxury. They Mm. wouldn't have a mum that would do that. So I was like, oh, let's bring this back to the country. And this is all how it started. And the same for you, your dad, your dad drove, sorry, your mum's dad drove her Mm. and I guess your mum drove you to basketball as well. I mean, the same deal. Yeah. Yeah. Until I got my license. Um, yeah, yeah, she used to sit in the car, so, (laughs) and wait for for me to finish. But, um, yeah. Not everyone's got that luxury. No, absolutely not. And, um, I mean, she could have put me on a train if she really wanted to, but, um, I think she, yeah, knew how hard it is to make it and, um, she was going to make sure that she did everything she could to to give me that leg up if I needed it. So what I'm trying to get here is, and a lot of people listening to this, lots of people listen to this, and a lot of people think to themselves, um, oh, I'd love to, they might be working somewhere, I'd love to have this my own business like you guys. I mean, I'm trying to establish the sort of characteristics that, or at least a couple of the characteristics you need to have in your personality or your experiences or your upbringing that allow you to actually parlay those experiences into running a business properly. And it's not just about making money. For me, it's about giving back. That's your starting point. That's a great position to start from. I want to talk about this. I'm going to go to the break. And when we come back from halftime, I want to talk about your business. I want you to tell me what it's all about and where you're going to take it in the future. Sounds great. Great. Okay, so we're back with Sarah Wall and Kim Green. And I've talked to them about their sort of personal journeys up to a point. What I really want to now talk to them about is their business. It's not a new business. It's been, a business has been around a bit, not for that long. When I can see them on my brief, five years or something like that. Um, it's called NetFit Netball, and it's a nutrition, fitness, and coaching program. I think I'm going to go to you first, Sarah, because I think you started it up. Is that right? Yeah. The, Tell me about it. Where did yeah. it all come from? How did you start it? Why did you start it? Oh, well, it was really um, an idea to, when I looked at the sport that I loved, I was a teacher by trade and I knew that 
I was an injury away from exiting the sport and it was um, back while I was playing for the Vixens and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to create a brand in netball but make it that people would continue playing around the age of 15 where the drop-off rate's huge. Um, But I never really thought about a business plan. I was just like, let's start this academy, offer it for free, go back home to Warrnambool Southwest area and provide this academy and see if people liked it. Um, And from there, there was lots of talk amongst social media. Everyone's like, oh, we'd love this. And I thought, well, I better get a business or a bit of a strategy behind me and work out how we can sort of gain some sort of fun from it. So I decided, um, I had this idea while I was playing to make um, a netball gym class. And Every time I'd finished training at the Vixens, like I, I, mid-quarter, so I'd have to go and do top-ups, so I'd go and do a spin class or body pump, and I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if there was actually a netball gym class um, with the most participants in sport, 1.2 million girls in Australia play. That's right, isn't it? The, the more yeah. girls play netball than any other sport in Australia. Yep. And it, does it, is it, I don't want to interrupt, but I, I think it's an important stat because I was thinking about it last night. And how does that say relative to boys playing, I don't know, footy, soccer, or AFL? Is it so cool? soccer's next under us, and I right. think it's down. Yeah, it's very close. Like it's definitely um, soccer's building yep. um, and AFL close as well. So it's um, the number one. It's number one for women and yeah, boys and girls. That's, that's mad. I know. And so to make it to the elite level, I would always have that pride because I was like, look how many people are playing totally. this. And in saying that, I was also like, gosh, we're a whole movement here. Like we are such a loyal following at netball. Netballers are traditional day in, day out at the local courts, volunteer. Like we are a really amazing community. And I was like, they'd get behind an idea like this. Yeah, and how do you pull them all together? Yeah. And pulling them all together, I, I'd have so many ideas at the elite level, how we could do it, how we could get it to our games. And I thought, well, I'll let, I'll leave that to the national body. They do their thing and that's growing and good on them. But what can I do and what movement can I change? Um, and to do that, I was like, right, this netball gym class, I'm sure people would like it. And when I'd go out as a vixen and go and visit clubs, I'd do a coaching and it was hard because there'd be like minimum 60 at a court at one time and there could be more and there was one person. So I was like, okay, how do you do this where you go out to a club, They can you can work with as many as you can at one time, but it's only one person. And so that's where I just started to write this netball gym class. So every track had a different theme. So it was warm up, cone track, mindful that we were traveling in cars. So there wasn't a lot of equipment required. So everything had to be really quick, teaching degree understanding attention spans really low and learning. So I'd keep everything chunked. Um, so then got out there with my computer speakers. This is really embarrassing and I know I'm going to share it, but like, I honestly, I had zero money starting it and I got a call to come down to a little club in Colac, um, which is a half an hour from Camperdown. And I was living in Melbourne and I drove down and I said, guys, look, I'm going to, is it okay if I do something different tonight? And I took them for this gym class and they loved it. They were like, this is the best. And I was like, okay, well, um, do a post on social media and then other clubs heard about it and it just organically grew through social media. They were, they were netballers. Though. Netballers. Yeah, it was yeah. at a club, at their courts, at their, at their space. It was where they went of a Thursday night or where they did went of a Tuesday. Did you seek them or they sought you? Did you did they you, were source seeking me anyway as a come vixen. Come and do some, yep. a training session or a, a session with them. Yep. Is that, just to give us a bit of a taste of what happens at the, at the big league. Yeah. So they, clubs all around Australia, anywhere, they go, we'd love to have an elite player come out and take us for a session. Yep. So. I never was someone that wanted to do what probably everyone else did. I didn't want to run clinics. I didn't necessarily want to do um, or step on the toes of what was existing in terms of the elite pathway. So I was like, I'll do this and 
when I finish and played at the elite level, I can go out and create this. And then the other like-minded girls that love kids and love people like I do that are in elite teams, maybe I can train them up as instructors. So that's sort of how it grew. So that was in 2012? Yes. Right. Yeah. And then how did you get together with Kim? Where did Kim come into it all? Yeah. So what happened then, I got delisted from the Vixens and um, to be- By the way, delisted for anyone who's listening, <laughs> cut. <means> cut. <laughs> Out. Not okay. required. I didn't realise de- like what delisted meant anyway. <laughs> And I was shattered. I'm like the biggest netball groupie getting around. I loved it. And I decided that, um, right, I've got to find my love for netball, not netball itself, but for do, being working in it again. So I was like, right, get running these clinics, uh, so these classes. And I was out um, and about. And then it, people in other states started to hear about it. So I just pretty much did that for a full year when I was still had the interest of getting back into this, um, into the elite competition. And my manager actually called all of the team's coaches the following year and still I wasn't required. So I had another year off and it was like... On the bench. Well, worse than the bench. Worse than the bench. <laughs> the back the, bench. Basically benched. <laughs> oh, so benched. And um, so I was like, right, okay, this is this is my new story. I'm not required at the elite level, but um, fairy godmother up in Sydney, someone, uh, um, I don't know if Kim had a bit to do with that decision, but they called me in three weeks into that next year and they said, um, Sarah, we'd love to offer you a contract with the Swifts or actually, no, come up and see how you go for a few weeks. So I was like, right, that's fantastic. I just jumped on a flight, came up and played and started to work out pretty quickly to fit in around the dominant players. And I think that was um, what got me the contract up here. So I got to play at the Swifts, um, which at the same time, I actually had a full-time staff member at home that because the business was purely based off me at that stage, I was having to play on a basic wage, as Kim's explained, with netball, but still fund her. So that wasn't going well for NetFit at the time. And I was committed with this vision and it was really going to work, but then it really made me realise if it was going to work, I needed to get some really good people around me to do the same and create a sustainable program. So at the end of that year, still a bit intimidated by Kim being always versing her as a Vixen versus Swift or just even state level when we were juniors, I actually went to her one day and I said, oh, Kim, look, I know, you know, you know what NetFit is, but would you be interested in even coming on board in some way? And she was like, yes. And I was like, I actually nearly died because I was like, really? Oh, Can I just say you're intimidated, but you were living at my house for six months. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anyone that knows Kim knows, like, she's the queen of netball. And it was funny. It was until then I thought, like, wow, we actually are a really good team. And yeah. from that day, um, we came together and Kim is a very – Proud. Can, I just, can I just stop you there for a minute? Is there a lesson in that, like, for people, like, you may feel intimidated, but irrespective, just ask the question. Yeah. Like, people just a lot of times get intimidated and do ask questions. People get intimidated and don't ask the question. Why do you think, what was it that allowed you to ask the question? Because I admired Kim and I always thought, I, I want to work with this person. I just I just decided, the reason I hesitated to ask earlier is that I thought, Maybe she's got her own thing going on or maybe she mightn't want to do it. So you're right, there was doubt. So therefore... Well, what got you over that doubt? I mean, not that you... I know, obviously you wanted to, but what was the one thing you said, oh, fuck it, I'm going to ask her? Because I, I'm i used to getting told no <laughs> in a weird way. So it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter, yeah. No, so no big deal? Yeah. So I'm going to ask anyway? Yep. So that, that's, a big, that's a big piece, you know, that... 
That's a lot of times the difference between um, something happening and something not happening. People stay reticent and say, well, I don't deserve this or they're always going to say no, so I'm not going to ask. Yeah, or even the other side of it. Before I asked him, I thought, oh, maybe if she's interested, she'll ask me. There was a part of it that I was sort of like, oh, well, if she – because she's kind of Kim Green. If she wants to know a bit about it, she'll ask me. But what I learnt was actually, no, a lot of people also sit back and need to be asked. Kim, did you think to yourself – I wouldn't mind doing this, but I don't want to ask her because it's her yeah, gig. Yeah, I think... Um, Were you a bit intimidated? Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, netball, um, because we don't make a lot of money, everyone has their own little side projects. And for me, I had my own coaching business um, with my husband, but I never loved it. Netball coaching? Yeah, yeah, netball coaching. He's a cricketer, so he was doing the cricket side. And um, yeah, for me, I found netball clinic so bland and boring and you'd rock up and there was no passion in it. Is it mostly kids, the clinic? Mostly kids, yeah. yeah. So you'd go from eight to about 15 and it just, I don't know, like you're doing that every day already. So you don't want to have that as your side project or, um, you know, your, I guess, source of income being boring as well. And every time Sayers would speak about NetFit, I just remember thinking, oh gosh, that just sounds so exciting and fun and vibrant. You got and <laughs> well, <laughs> you went it, it wasn't until it, you've got to see this Netflix class because you get mic'd up as an instructor and the music is blaring and like it, the tunes are pumping. And it wasn't until Sarah took me to one of the classes and mic'd me up and I was like, this is where I belong. Yeah. This is, where is this I- after she asked you? <laughs> yeah. Is this after she yeah, asked you? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And but it wasn't until the first time. I was still a little bit unsure as to how I was going to fit into this picture because I was such a stickler, like a going down the one road and not veering off into other little avenues. But as soon as... Did she sort of um, call on your uh, inner Madonna sort of thing? Did she, no, uh, Beyonce, you should have seen Beyonce. the second she put the mic on. <laughs> she was on. Was she was on person. and I was like, oh, okay. Like, actually, she was <laughs> better. Down, at, now, yeah, down, I was like, give down. me the mic back. No, don't. But she goes, like, it was in front of 250 young girls at first class. So usually I don't train our instructors that way. But she was like, no, I've got this. Give me the mic. And because... I just and, needed some structure. Yeah. That's all I needed. And structure, she even fine. had the note pieces of paper, whereas there's some instructors I train that can completely wing it, whereas Kim still needs the documentation. If there is an upgrade in the class, we have to send through that two weeks in advance. Like, it's just a... I like to be prepared. Yeah. Well, uh, that, well that, that works. Well, t- t- Can you, one of you or both of you, I don't care, you can do it together. I mean, you maybe speak at the same time. It sounds like you speak for each other to me. <laughs> but like, I wonder whether or not um, you could just take me through like an example of how a class works. I mean, what is it that's unique about what you offer? So it's... When we go to the local netball court where they train, so we want to make the court look like NetFit has arrived. So we've got the flags, banners, speakers, um, and everyone comes into class. We say this this netball court is our new gym class. The first track is warm-up. Music pumps for about three minutes on that. Drink breaks are 10 seconds. Quickly get a drink. Come back in to move on to the next track, which is uh, footwork. Then the next one is speed and power. Next one is ball skills, leg burn track. And then we finish with the tricks and cool down. So and how long does it take? How long 45 minutes. 45 minutes. So is it sort of like a high intensity sort of session, yeah. but with skills thrown in? Yeah. So every movement that you do is netball specific. Yep. Um, exercise science degree as well. I just make sure that everything is around protecting your knees, balance landing. That's what I want to ask you about now. That's that's important. So to make something netball specific in terms of exercises, exercises, are you just um, 
relying on what you've you've seen and done in your your career, or is there science around it? In other words, this is good. We need to use glutes a lot, and I don't know what you need to use in netball, but these are glutes specific, and um, also there uh, we do it with speed, so we've got power power and speed. Or I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, science around it. So learning every day, I'm a sponge to this industry. Um, I think there's a lot of waste time with different training things that people are bringing out now. So what I like to do is bring things back to basic on the absolute foundation of what netball needs, real protection around your knees. So I'll build exercises around that. A lot of it is based off the knowledge that we've learned at elite level from other trainers that have come in. And then what I try and do is almost put a big pink bow on it and make it exciting so kids want to do it. Yeah, rewrap it. I and that's the marketing <clears throat> side of things. That that's cool. But you you do get into the specifics of making a netball a, a better performer on the court or do you looking at say making a netballer have a a longer life in other words protecting their knees and or how does it work? Maybe even three things. Yes, protecting their knees or Telling, teaching them through NetFit is the foundation of things that they can do before their training. In terms of the class, the online trainer that I'll probably talk about is completely different. Yep. But the class itself is one, it's the um, understanding the, the short explosive moves in terms of performance. So that's what netball's about. It's, it's, yep. it's short, explosive move. Yep. That, that's what netball's about. Okay. And yeah. that's in the class. The other one is about protection around knees, glutes, making sure the strong core, so all of that. And then the other part is the engagement, is making them in in love with doing that skill because it's all well and good to teach and say this is important, but then the majority of people don't do that stuff because that's a boring, slow stuff and they want to get straight into the game. Yeah. So, it's almost not cool. Sorry, Sarah. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that um, we often find with the class is that as soon as it starts, you see the the cool kids like, oh, this is this is like, you know, we're running on the spot or we're doing high knees, whatever. And they're a little bit, I don't know, but they don't have time to think you have to get going. Yeah. And all of a sudden they become athletes as opposed to, oh, what is my cool mate doing over there or laughing or whatever. It's just, so I've never seen, like, cause you do clinics or, um, you run a, like a fitness session and you'll see that throughout the whole session that they're still unsure of themselves and their confidence is low, but the Netflix class, you, you have no time to think about whether or not you're cool or you look funny or you just get going. And, and do you get then? Do you then do you at some stage sit down and explain to them why they did the certain things they did? Like, is there a, like a not a lecture, but like a, a an understanding of why I did that? Yeah, yeah. And we we do it whilst we're doing the track. Right. So, um, the band track in particular, we we talk about glutes and how important they are and. Um, as opposed to being quad dominant athletes, which is what netballers were, we really need to be able to switch on our glutes because essentially that's what's going to stop us from having knee injuries. So, yeah, yeah it is really important that when um, says teachers down in Melbourne or I teach a, a teacher up in Sydney, that um, they understand why we're doing the certain exercises and why we're preaching what we're preaching. Um, because that is probably the most important part before the track even starts. Yeah. And, right. and, and I and then, so so you do these, like, let's call it live events. You do these classes live and you teach other people to be a teacher. Yeah. You train other people to be yep. instructors. Um, so part of your business model is that um, you go out and either they come to you or you go and source people who would be a good instructor and you put them through your program and then you basically use them as distribution. So not use them, but they become your distributors of your product. Your product is a class. 
then in terms of scaling your business, what have you done? Because, you know, you can't just have physical classes all the time. How do you scale? And again, it's sort of learning from doing, I guess. And what happened was a lot of the private schools and other sports schools within Melbourne and Sydney came to NetFit and said, right, we need to get our girls moving. And that's obviously the foundation of what we do is trying to keep them motivated in PE or whatever it may be. So, Not necessarily netballers is what you're saying. Yeah, non-netballers. And it could be, um, but the majority will be for, for a netball program. So NetFit would go in and say, okay, here's um, what we offer fitness classes. We can do coaching. We can do events. We can do wellbeing and we'll source that. And from there, what I was noticing was like, it's just so hard to keep up staff and you actually have the skills here in the school and I would be writing. So I wrote heaps of content, got other very high performing coaches in Australia to write the content without making it a boring manual. So I I got them to write a one hour training session on one particular skill. So that's the teacher in me, the curriculum writer. So I would put it into more of a curriculum way of um, giving it. And then I just noticed teachers really needing that. And they'd be like, I'd be good if it was a video. And I was like, okay, well, what a great idea. So I was videoing these sessions and I'm like, okay, wouldn't this be a great idea if it was actually for everyone to come on and purchase? But I'm really glad the way that we did it because what actually happened was while I was building it for a teacher and a coach, I was still understanding that the netballers themselves need it. And for what we're doing in everyday life as little Sarah Wall from Camperdown just running laps around an oval, which was bad for me, we need to be telling people out there the netball specific training that's required. So that's where the the idea of the app came up. And so the app is your way of scaling your product. Correct. Obviously. Um, And the content piece that goes in the app because apps are they're just they're just allowing people to access things through buying the app. I mean that's really the content that sits behind it all and the technology that sits around the content as well. The content you're saying is something you've derived from your experiences, but also talking to elite coaches, and what you've tried to do is cut out all the the bad habits, yep. and compile it into good habits. Yeah, and that app is available for schools or for any individual. Yeah, it's and I think the more that we've learnt, it's really an individual. So a netballer out there um, will then know what to do Monday to Sunday. Um, piecing in their original netball plans into that, but they've got that. Now they also can go there for nutrition and netball recovery because we've got videos of yoga. But the other part to that app is if you are a coach, what we've found is they want to know what to do for their own personal fitness. So they're using it for that, but we've also built the coaching knowledge in there too. So take me through the app. So like, I'm not going to sign up the app, but let's say someone signs up for the app. Um, What do you ask them first? What do you want to know about them? That's yeah, great question. What is their score? I guess what what do they want from the app? So they come in, um, and this is something with Kim and I worked through at the start. We never wanted the app to be about body image. We didn't want them to be like, "Look, I'm losing weight." So we get them to come in and do their score. So find out what level they're come at. In. Come into the app. Into the app. Yeah, into yeah. the app. Come mm-hmm. into our home. Come into our little <laughs> our family, family. <laughs> um, and they do a score. Really six quick exercises, and um, they'll come up with their score. Our social media community is awesome, and what we found everyone doing is writing the number of their score on their hand and posting and then other Instagram accounts that are on the program as well are jumping on and sharing their For scores. For example, like uh, over 30 seconds, I can do so many, I'm, I'm just making so many shuttles skips or whatever. Or okay. squats. Or, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 okay. And you put it up. Yep. Yeah, okay. And That's then, cool. Yeah, and then six weeks later when they post test, because it's we yep. break it down and chunk. Yep. 
um, they will show their other hand and then they start to compile all of their scores, which we're seeing a progression and a rise in the level, the number. That's clever. Um, and Kimmy was all about that too, because one of the main things that we're seeing with women, it's like, well, we're defined by the look. So we're defined, but in netball, we are not. And we are defined by our speed and our strength. So how do we show that progression? And yeah. And a lot of it was because um, we know social media is such a, a strong presence in young women, especially, and um, the distorted images of what a woman should look like or what an athlete should look like. And I think that was the one thing we wanted to stay completely away from. Um, we've got such great young participants in our app but in, in our program, but we never wanted them to think that it was about losing weight or being skinny or being a certain image. Um, netball is for everyone. And we just wanted to see, show them that there is a progression and that you can have a real positive impact on yourself. But it, we've also got a confidence score in there. Like how confident do you feel? Because that is one of the most important things to us is, yes, you can be fit, but you can have zero confidence. So that's where we want to target. And so confidence, what, how many do you mean confidence in playing netball? Or confidence just confidence generally? in life. In who you are. Yeah, and who you yeah. are. And it's good to ask that question because they they can, you know, say, Oh, I'm ten out of ten and give themselves extra points. But our messages around that is like, This is a this is you. This is a chance for you to decide what you think. And I think if we take ownership of that and put that question to them that they'll actually go have to actually consider what that is. So that's And they one. may not get it on the first time, but the second time that they do their retesting they may go, oh, I really wasn't that confident last time. And, and or, you test them on their confidence? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or, or do you it's ask a self-reflection. Right. Yeah, a self-reflection on how confident you're feeling. And How do you mean confidently? Just take me through. How, you, how do you ask the question? Like you say, how confident you feel? Is that what you're saying? Give me out of 10? Or? Yeah, out of 10, but based off a few of these, ask these questions to yourself. Right. right. Yeah. So how do you feel when you go into a new team or how are you feeling if um, things aren't going your way? So there's a list of things they have to consider. And yep. it's a hard measurable thing, but at least I feel that we've put it there for them to actually take a moment to think about. Right. And then uh, after, is it a six-week program? Is that where you run? Yeah, and just six weeks after six weeks. So it just continues on with different phases of your training. Right. That's that's quite interesting. Um, you know, confidence, male or female, doesn't make much difference, I don't think. But um, you see lots of people, gyms and all that sort of stuff, like, you know, as a bloke. And, but I know they're not confident, I can tell. Yeah. Mm. They took, people talk to me. Um, it, that's that's an important one. A lot of people do, a lot of do, people go to these environments to actually build a facade around themselves so, to deal with their lack of confidence. Whereas what you're talking about here is actually building your confidence or at least addressing your confidence. Yep. And yeah. asking the question. Why do you think that's important? Uh, I guess we get messages daily on our social media about, um, you know, how do you, like I'm not getting any court time or I'm lacking confidence. Like how do you stay strong? And I mean, I was one of those people that put a facade on for so long thinking that I was confident, but deep down, like I was just a, a great netballer with zero confidence. Like I don't know how I actually got my way through it. So I, I looked at it and thought, I think it's so super important that we have a self-reflection part in there. Uh, just, and like I said, it may not be right now that they, they understand it, but maybe in six or 12 weeks time, they look back and go, oh my goodness, look how far I've come. And confidence is such a great thing. And as soon as you feel like you have a little bit of confidence or someone has confidence in you, it completely changes your world. How do you get around when you, do you ever get periods where you don't, where you lack confidence? Um, yeah, like I, I do, but not as, not as often. I, I've got such a 
great group of people behind me and um, NetFit has changed my life. I, I think the fact that I've, I get to finish training and go into a world where we're helping people and regardless of how good of I am as a netballer, it actually doesn't matter anymore because I've got something bigger than that, which is really cool. And what about you, Sarah? Do you ever have periods where you feel like you just don't have any confidence? Yeah, or just out of my depth a little bit. So I always feel whenever I'm doing something for the first time, it'll be automatically I'll be like, how do I how do I do this? So the first thing, because I feel like everything I'm doing in, in the business world, I'm learning. So that for me is where I'm developing confidence. Um, on the netball court, it was probably confidence for me was more like I always had nothing to lose. So I really got a great resilience base from that. And after doing two knees, that always helped. Um, but I think the same thing that Kim was saying, my family foundation, the people around me is what give me the confidence. When I, when I go to do something, I'll go back to that and I'll go, no, no, I've got this. Or I think, oh, I've done the hard work. Or the, the confidence for me is when I know I've done everything I can. So that's what sort of helps me. But for sure, every day, like even coming up here and talking to you, I, I always think anything new for the next first time, it, it's a normal thing. But I think I've always put myself out of my comfort zone, which has helped. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I guess you're doing fit for netball or fit for life, like physically mm. and probably mentally. That's your business. And, and to some extent, I was just thinking myself, then my business is about fit for business. Um, which is a different type of fitness, but it's nonetheless the same as well because mm. it's all about practice and making mistakes and then getting back up and going again. But it's also being part of a program. Mm. And yeah. you've got to be programmatic in business. You've got to be programmatic and fit for netball or netfit, which is yeah. your program for anyone, not just yeah. netballs, but anybody basically. Um, and, and actually it's one of the reasons why I set up mentor.com is to be fit for business. Mm. Same sort of concept that you've got. Um, and it, it's, my business is nowhere near as advanced as yours because I've been going as long as you, but I do my scaling up through these podcasts by having someone like you guys come in and explain to everybody else out there how vulnerable we feel sometimes mm. when we're going into business, which is why I take you through in the first half about your personal journeys and who you are and just so everyone can sort of say, well, yeah, hang on. I was like that. Oh, I'm from regional Victoria or regional mm. New South Wales or I'm a shy girl and, you know. Get I'm, judged every day. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, uh, but yeah, but, but they do. There's a, there's a, shy girls do. And there's a, but, but it doesn't, hasn't stopped you. No. And, you know, or equally someone could be saying, I come from the West suburbs and I get judged every mm. day. You know, I come from Bankstown or I come from Punchbowl or wherever, or I'm a Muslim or, uh, Whatever, but but it hasn't stopped you and it won't stop them. And that's the whole objective around my podcast. So to give you some confidence back, mm. I'm doing exactly the same as you're doing, but I would say you're more advanced in your business than I am in my, this new business here, this, this mentored business that I'm in. And to give you more confidence again, you confidence is that you're doing great stuff. You're actually going down exactly the right path. Thank you. Yeah. This is exactly the way I would do it. If you ask me as a business guy, which is the way to do it, I'd be saying, what you're doing? And don't be expecting to hit up there just yet. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to, you're going to get a few injuries on the way through. You're going to get some setbacks. You're going to get uh, delisted. <laughs> benched. Benched. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get that shit happen all the time. But yeah. that's, business is exactly like sport. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a big believer 
in in people doing not just doing exercise but doing exercise with a with a sport in mind it doesn't matter what it is is netball boxing running i don't care basketball uh, um, uh, tennis i don't care but where you are being tested all the time because whilst you are trying to run your business mm. because it gives you something to fall back on you can sort of say shit I've experienced this in my in, in the current sport that I'm playing. Doesn't mm. you don't have to be an elite sports person to experience the setbacks of trying to be let's call it competitive, and committed, mm. and um, playable, and that's what you you guys have it at elite level. So you're lucky in that regard. You've got that experience as long as you know that you can fall back on it, mm. and you're doing a you're doing a great job. I mean, you've scaled your business up. You, you, you're lucky you both really like each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, but that's really important. It's yeah. You've got, it's hard to be in business on your own. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I'm lucky. I've got partners in my business. One of them is my son. So, but you've got to, it's, it's good. Like to me, you two sort of like you could be sisters in some respect. Mm. I don't mean in a genetic sense, but like you're, you're very sistery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you, like just then you just looked at each other. Yeah. When I said that, look to each other. And the, I can see there's a lot of affection and admiration mm. and respect and all those good basic characteristics, which are the fundamentals for running a good business. Mm. And that's – Kim has my back and I know that, you know, and it's um, – I'll ring Kim for advice or if I and, – and know that I won't be judged. I think that's the thing that um, – you hesitate a lot and you I've learned a lot too with um, talking too much about work with people, um, overkill, family sometimes. And um, I just know that I can ring Kim and I can always get the hard, tough love from her, but also like, no, nah, says it's good. We're doing a good job. Or So it's the cheerleader, but it's also the tough love from Kim. That, that's, that's very interesting. I often say to people, there's two things that are really important in running a business. And I guess the same in sport too. You have to have a healthy level of paranoia. In other words, got that. Shit, yeah. what could go wrong? Yeah. You've always got to be asking yeah. that question. Yeah, absolutely. Or what could go wrong? Not what is going wrong because that's usually too late. But what could go wrong? That's the first one. And you have to have a healthy level of, of obsession. Mm. To be good at an elite level, you have to be in sport. You mm. have to have some obsession, healthy obsession. In other words, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up 4.30 tomorrow morning. I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to train a bit harder. I'm going to do a bit extra. After it's all finished, I'm going to do it, go a few more rounds or whatever it happens to be. So th- those things are really important and have, being sportsmen, those are two things that you both have, you're displaying them to me, both of you, mm. that of paranoia and that obsession and having the ability to sort of dampen each other down when it comes to those things. Because if you're on your own and you have paranoia yeah. and you have obsession, you can turn into a, a head case. Yeah. And one, you've got to pull her out. Sometimes in Kim, you're going to have to pull Sarah out. Mm. Is that what happens? Absolutely. I was just thinking um, the flip side the other day when I called you about contracting. I've been asked to be signed for another three years and I think I'm just getting a bit too old for it and says has my, <laughs> says has my back and puts me back into place. And um, I think that's why we work so well together is that we have a very good balance, but we're both we're both the same people but at different times. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anyone who's listening to this should take this into account because I think if you're going to go into a business, which is a new business, your, your business is a new concept Yeah. in, in a relative sense. Um, it's going to require a lot of energy, a lot of capital, personal capital, um, financial capital too over time, but personal capital. It's, I think anyone who's listening should learn from this. It's important to have a partner. 
mm. a business partner, like, but not just a financial partner, a business partner, someone who gets you yeah. as well as gets the business. Guys, I always um, ask you if you, I'm asking all the questions, but I, I always ask um, my guests if um, there's any question they'd like to ask me. So I've got is there a question? 400 questions. <laughs> Start from the first one. First one. Um, how do you balance work life? Like I know there's everyone talks about it, and I get advice from people that don't run a business and give advice. You've done it all in this. Like, what's your best bit of advice for well-being, life balance? It's all bullshit. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thank <laughs> okay. you. So uh, this is my. So on the right track. This, 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 this is how it works for me, anyway. You make a decision what you're going to do in your business life, like. Okay, and then the rest of it's your personal life. You have to be with a partner or with a family or with your support group who understand that decision and respect that decision. What I find, which I've always done, now it hasn't always worked out because you know I've had a, a few, quite a few divorces, um, you know, breakups, but it just hasn't worked out. And but I am therefore, I would say, in that regard, I'm selfish. Not self-centered, but selfish. Because I feel as though there's something I want to do or I need to do to, 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 to be happy, have a purpose in life. That's my purpose. That's what I've decided. I'm always then, but I've got kids as well, so I'm always, and grandkid. So I'm always trying to rebalance my life. But sometimes I'll work seven days, eight days, nine days, ten. I won't see anybody. But then I'll go mad on, oh, shit, I better go and see the boys, see how my boys go and see my grandson, spend time with others, see my mum, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm, my business life comes first, that's my obsession, and then I'm always rebalancing. Mm. Now, some people don't really like that because they think that I'm being selfish and or I'm just coming in and out of their lives when it suits me. Um, it's not that it's when it suits me, it's when I, I'm doing that when I can. But I also accept that if that doesn't suit somebody else, then that's fine, that's the end of the relationship. So that's how I go about it. So work-life balance is about work and balancing the life bits whenever I can. Yeah. Whenever I can. Sometimes it doesn't happen for – like I haven't had a holiday this year, won't have a holiday this year. I'm not one of those people who sort of says, oh, I've got to have my month in Europe or – it doesn't exist in my life. It never has. That's how I do it. Any more cool. questions? Um, well, do you want to go next, Kimmy? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you have contractors as such, but balancing um, – the loyalty in contractors. I think that's where a, a business that is based on contractors and, um, you know, they, they are paid quite well, but how do we continue to keep the loyalty? I'll be honest, to, there's no such thing as loyalty yeah, in business. Okay. Um, you guys will be loyal to each other because you you own the business together. Yeah. To some extent, you're compelled to be loyal by commercial things. That's, even if you probably are deeply loyal anyway, but even if somehow if that sort of drift away, the commercial reality will make you be loyal. Mm. Yeah. When you're working with a contractor, their commercial reality is, um, is someone going to pay me more or is, some, is there a change in my life which means I don't really care about this contract anymore? The only way to keep those people on board is if there's something they're going to lose so, or is there something to gain equally. But better to, is there something I can lose. So I always think that a very small percentage of equity in a pool. So let's mm. say your business is 100% owned by you two guys, which it is. Um, 5% of it is a pool that's available as equity to all the contractors. Mm. And work out some way that they share in that 5%. 
but that 5% you pay a dividend to that 5% of, 5 of the profits every year to that group and that they know that they've got something to lose if they leave. So make them feel part of what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of the struggle that we find is that, um, you know, having passion in something that you feel like you belong or um, your purpose, like you said previously, like what is the purpose in the business? And yeah. Well, so that, 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 that last part, that giving them something to lose, I think that's really important in terms of um, the commerciality, but equally you also got to have um, – lots of events where you invite all your staff yeah. and you give them rewards and awards. You've got to make people feel like they, they've won something, you know, mm. like, uh, we do it in our business and your conference every year. You know, these guys, some of the guys who work in the Elbrick Road business may make a million bucks a year as contractors and they get reduced to tears when they win a award, a glass award, you know, <laughs> like a little trophy for oh. the best guy in New South Wales, <clears> the best sales guy in New South Wales, the best, whatever. Um, in Australia, and they, they get reduced tears. They get to thank their wife and their family, and uh, it's a huge event for them. Mm. Like, uh, and I've been doing this like for a million years, and I never stop being amazed at how important that is to people. And mm. you know, it is sports yeah. people. Yeah, you know, being best on a court or whatever. You know, like yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. Apart from getting paid, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, and I think those sorts of things are really important within your own business. That's how you get people on the same journey mm. and reminding them of your greater purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Your greater purpose. Here's an award. And by the way, if you, if you're going to leave, there's something you're going to lose and you won't get anywhere else. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having that was us. awesome. That was great. Yeah, thank really you enjoyed so it. Thank you so much. Thank you.